Do you have trouble sleeping? Then Sleepscape could be your answer. A world first sleep aid podcast recorded live in some of Australia's most iconic places. I invite you to sleep under the stars. It's like you're actually there. Choose from over 10 locations. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Sleepscape. Choose where you sleep tonight. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to win a $100 gift card, just click the link in the show notes to take part in our quick 60-second survey. Across the last 15 episodes, I've told you the story of Des Carr, who went missing from a road roller in the outback of Western Australia in 1979. He was dropped off in the morning and then, when he went to be picked up later that day, his lunch and water bottle was sitting on the roller. It was still running, but he was gone. Des was not just some bloke who went missing. He was my uncle, my mum's big brother, and he's been missing for 42 years. Some people think he was killed. Some people think he wandered off into the bush. And one person even thinks that he might have been taken by a UFO. Head back to episode one to follow the story so far. Across the last few episodes, we've heard the coroner's verdict on my uncle's disappearance, which we'd waited over 40 years for. After searching through the evidence and the facts, or at least what was available, she decided that Des is deceased and most likely wandered off into the bush after becoming disoriented in 1979. In the last episode, we heard from Jody and her mum, Pam, who knew Des really well, and they don't believe that at all. I can't see Des just wandering off into the bush, even disorientated. He was too too smart for that, and if he's going to have a pee, he's just going to pee beside the grader of the tractor, the roller. He's not going to stagger off for a bit of privacy, because there was really no one else around, obviously. Um, so that just strikes me as being a bit unusual. It might have just been to settle the dispute, but they, he has been killed in that incident inadvertently, and they've got to get rid of the body. A few days after the inquest, Michael's disappearance made the news. It was covered by the ABC up in Broome and the local newspapers, and a TV channel in Perth also covered his story. Like everything, the more people that know about this case, the more chance that someone might come forward and have a view or know something about what really happened to him. A few days after the inquest, I received a Facebook message from a man in Western Australia called Robert Green. It said, Are you the man looking for info on Desmond Carr? I sent a message straight back and said, Yeah, he was my uncle. Then, nothing. No reply until about 10 days later, when Robert pinged me again. I knew him, and might have some info that you want. Feel free to call me if you wish. My name is Robert Green. And then, he gave me his phone number. Over the years, as you can imagine, people have come forward to not only my family, but to police to offer advice and mentions that they might know something. It's hard not to go down a rabbit hole. And as I've said before... I really want to verify information before we put it in the podcast and give it to police 
and talked with my family about it. I called my cousin Michelle to see if she had heard of Robert Green. She hadn't. So, with a little trepidation, I decided to give Robert a call myself. Hello. Hello, is that Robert? Yes, it is. Robert, uh, my name's Jay. You reached out to me via Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah. How are you going? Good. Um, so, whereabouts are you? You're in Perth, are you? Yeah, I'm in Perth. You said in your message that you sent me that you might know something about my Uncle Des and his disappearance. Well, I knew him when I was up that way. I worked up there on a cattle station at that time. And um, after I left the Kimberleys and came back to Perth, I bumped into him in, in, in the city one day. And I said g'day to him, and he was acting really queer and... Um, pretended not to know me and, and you know like oh no he said it wasn't me I haven't been up there but it was him I was only bloody on the fist with him a couple of months prior yeah it popped up on the, my news feed the other day that they'd had a coroner's inquest in Perth about this guy that was missing all them years ago and when I looked at it I thought oh fuck that's that bloke and where were you? Well, at the time I seen him in Perth, I was walking from the Hay Street Mall down towards the railway station and, and whatever the next main street is beside Hay Street, I bumped into him there. And so, what time of the day? Do you remember what time of day it was? Oh, no, not really. Probably the middle of the day, just going by what I used to do back then. Yep. And, um, and, yeah. and how well did you know Des then? Well, we got on the piss with him up there a couple of times when we were on the station. Yep. Um, pretty sure it was at Sandfire Roadhouse that we met him. The road crew must have stopped in there when they were out doing work. And, um, yeah, we bumped into him in, in Broome as well when we went in for one of the radios. So there'd been... A, at least two occasions that we'd had big nights on the piss with him. Is it possible you saw him maybe before he went missing? No, no. I wouldn't have known him then. It was only after I left Anna Plains and from what I've been reading, you know, on the um, news story they put up, it all ties up to after I left Anna Plains, because I knew him up there. And um, then I left Anna Plains and, and bumped into him in the city after I'd came back to the city. I just wish I had a, a better timeline, like if I could, you know, Anna Plains Station, I mean, they, they wouldn't keep records of who they had on their books bloody 35 years ago or 30 years ago or whatever it was. If I could find some way, I don't know, maybe even the taxation office, you know, because I would have been paying tax on payroll. Um, so it may be that the tax office could tell me when I was there and when I left. This is actually pretty big news. And to be honest, I wasn't prepared for it. I didn't have any questions written down. And so I was really just taken aback. Robert reckons that he saw my uncle walking in Perth down the main street. And when he went up to say day. My uncle didn't acknowledge who he was or the fact they knew each other. 
and said his name wasn't Des. Well, I was walking down toward the railway station and, and he was crossing the street and I was crossing the other way. And I looked up and spotted him. I said, G'day, Des. And he, and he, he just looked almost like he'd seen a ghost. And then what happened? He said, I don't know you. I said, yeah, he, Robert from Anna Plains, you know, we've on the business of the Tampa or wherever it was. You know, and he said, no, mate, I've never been up there. But, I mean, it was him. There's no bloody doubt. It was him. It poses so many questions. If it was my uncle, was he suffering from some sort of memory loss, which is why he might not remember Robert or his own name? Or was it that my uncle was hiding? So when Robert came up to him, he panicked and said that he wasn't Des and that he didn't know Robert. And if it was him, how would he survive? His money, bank accounts, car, clothes, everything was never touched since he went missing. The police have done numerous proof-of-life checks over the years and nothing has ever come up. Or was this man not my uncle? Maybe he just looked like him and Robert might have been mistaken. I asked that question and Robert was sure that it was him. You, you don't think he could have been mistaken? No. This is not the first supposed sighting we've heard over the years. You'll recall a few over the last 15 episodes that turned out to be absolutely nothing. I remember stories that the family had told over the years about people seeing Dez or thinking they saw Dez after he went missing. One of those stories was one that my cousin Michelle's sister told her a little while ago. Um, after, you know, you told me about Robert, I sort of rang Deb just to let her know um, where we're at and what was happening. And she just, her, her no, thing was like, oh my God, she said, I remember having the same thing. So she reckons, and we've narrowed it down to probably 1988, um, is probably the date, probably anywhere between 1988 and Christmas 89. So Deb was at the Bel Air Hotel and she'd gone there to um, pick up her partner. And she said when she walked in, she went up to the bar, said hello to everyone, went up to the bar to get a drink. She just turned around and she saw this person and she said, oh my God, that's Uncle Des. She said it was a spitting image of him and she's really adamant about it. And she said she just kept staring at him and he could see that she was looking at him. And then so she went over and she said, is your name Des? And um, he said, no, mate, no, it's not me. And she said, you are the spitting image of my Uncle Des, who's missing. He goes, no, it's not me. And Deb said, it, it, she said her heart just stopped. She said she just couldn't stop looking at him. So she ended up going over to the payphone and ringing up Mum and Dad. And she spoke to Dad and said, you need to come down to the ballet pub because there's somebody here and he looks the spitting image of Uncle Des. And Dad was sort of really, she felt like he dismissed her and didn't really believe her at the time. And they, of course, they didn't want to be upsetting Mum. So they didn't come down. But Deb's still adamant, like, that she, it was him. So that would have been nine, well, like, eight or nine years after he actually went missing. Yeah, exactly. And the Bel Air pub, that's in Perth? That's in Belmont. In Belmont, yes, in yeah. Belmont. Deb was definitely very clear in, in what she said and she said because when I first went she was quite 
I told everyone I've been just saying this for ages. No one would believe me. Like, and yeah, and well, because I was telling her about Robert. And um, yeah, and I thought it'd just be interesting to see whether any of those dates could match up, like with what he was saying he saw. Or did Deb ever report to police? No, no, because see, she just felt like she wasn't believed at the time. Hmm. But she said she because she said I went over because I said I. Because I rang Dad at the time and told Dad to come down. He needed to come down up. But I suppose, you know, when after so long went missing, you sort of, no, it couldn't be type of thing. Or maybe, yeah, she was, yeah, she definitely was very adamant about it and probably a little bit angry because she was sort of like, well, I've tried telling people and no one would listen and so I, I rang and no one believed me and, yeah. I wanted to get more information from Robert. I really wanted to try and verify some of the info he was telling me, but I also wanted enough info so I could pass it on to the police. Robert, have you um have you ever taken or spoken to police about this? I didn't know he was missing until last week. I'm going to put you in touch or get them to give you a call if that's okay uh, with Craig, who is um, who's a detective in the missing person squad who um, might want to give you a call, um, if you're happy with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, how's this for a weird coincidence? A policeman that used to be a sergeant at one of the country towns I worked at years ago, and him and I have remained good friends ever since. He's actually the main policeman at the um, coroner's office. Oh, no way. Wow, in Perth. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, his name's Lyle. Lyle is actually Craig, the officer assisting the coroner's boss. Although it's inconsequential, it does show that Robert isn't just some bloke who has a wild theory and decided to Facebook me to offer it up. I wanted to know why it's taken this long for Robert to come forward. He said earlier that he didn't know he was missing at the time. Oh, just something come up on the news one night on the um, internet. You know, that the Perth has just had a coroner's inquest into this bloke that's been missing, and they decided that that they, you know, he's most likely dead because they've never found his body. And I was reading about it, and I was scrolling around that, and, and then I did a Google search for his name, and as soon as I seen him, I knew who he was. And so, how old were you when you think you saw him in the city? I would have been probably 16. Yeah, you He'd have been in his 30s or late 30s or something, I'm guessing. When, you know, just... And so, I guess, after you saw him that day, you didn't think any more of it? No, I just thought, how weird, you know, somebody that I knew, and he's just pretending that he doesn't know me and he's never even been there. It was, it was weird, and I've never forgotten it because it was just so weird. This certainly has opened up a can of worms. The moment I got off the phone to Robert, I called the police officer who's been handling my Uncle Dez's case. I've sent Craig the raw audio of my call with Robert, and Craig and Robert are catching up in Perth to have a deeper conversation about what he knows and if there might be some more information. For now, we wait. Again. We'll bring you more as we know more in the next episode of The Disappearance of Des.
There are over 38,000 long-term missing person cases in Australia, and the story you've just heard is one of them. We want to continue to help bring these emotional stories of ambiguous loss to you so we can spread the word and hopefully get some closure for the families. For as little as the price of a coffee a month, you can help support us to keep creating this content. Just head to our Patreon page. The link is in the show notes.